When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maryland sports fans. There's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's off-track betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about that sound? You're listening to a set of GE appliances, complete with all you need to keep food fresh, dishes clean, and everything else stress-free. Making this the sound of savings on top brand appliances. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Get up to 25% off select GE appliances right now. Offer valid January 5th through January 25th, 2023. U.S. only. See store or online for details. This is Danny Korchmar talking to you. You're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, Martin Popoff back for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon. We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, available on Spotify, iTunes, Podbay, Megaphone, over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, um, this episode is one that uh, basically had to get done because it bookmarks another episode. We did an episode way back when, I think it was episode eight or something like that, called Dirty Hair Metal. Um We've also done one on Hair Metal Goes Grunge, something that happened in the 90s. And very recently, a few episodes back, I did one, I believe I called it Blues for Metalheads, where we looked at, um, you know, big 70s bands that were bringing in elements of the British blues boom and modernizing. Um, And on that one, you know, I thought uh, I may still do another episode that looks like, uh, that, that looks at modern bands that uh, have a very bluesy influence that would still uh, appeal to metalheads. But this one, uh, and and actually that brought in a couple of the bands we're going to talk about here, but, um, you know, we are going to stick to the hair metal genre. So yeah, bluesy hair metal, episode 63, bluesy hair metal goes with our dirty hair metal episode, and there's a little bit of overlap. Um, 
but not much, because in that episode, to refresh your memory, um, we looked at Faster Pussycat, L.A. Guns, Skid Row, Love Hate, and uh, kind of the band that started it all, Guns N' Roses, I would say. Um, But this is more at the blues end of things, and, um, you know, some of these bands I like, and some of these bands I I was not that much of a fan of. I didn't spend a lot of time with these bands. Um, But, yeah, one of these bands I really, really do like, I think, uh, well, you'll you'll hear my enthusiasm for them when we get there. Um, But almost more interesting is a little bit of an analysis of kind of where this all comes from. I mean, obviously it does come from the British blues boom, but not so much all of the British blues boom, but more so, um, more so Led Zeppelin, you know what? I'm not, I'm actually going to uh, talk about them in a little more detail, i.e. the origins when we talk about each one. But just to give you the brief story, you know, I always consider sort of the the brief timeline of this basically through Led Zeppelin, uh, through Aerosmith, and then into the late. 80s, I mean late 70s with Van Halen. Now Van Halen is not so much, you know, a, a truly bluesy band, but there's there's a little bit of that Aerosmith sort of danger, ra- raggedness, you know, just kind of a bluesy ethic that you get out of uh, some of the things they do. Maybe, maybe you could call it a jammy ethic. Um, but somehow there's a lot of Van Halen comes out in some of these bands we're going to talk about as well. Um, all right, so uh, so yeah, we'll look at we'll look at uh, a little more of the origins as we as we move along. Um, but let's take a listen to our first selection. Um, this is Cinderella with the more things change. All right, so Cinderella is a very uh, interesting band in this whole thing. I mean, basically, when you think about hair metal, you you really think about Poison and Cinderella, and then people talk about the W bands, Winger and Warrant and White Snake, right? White Snake, we're going to talk about a little more because that's kind of an interesting thing in this. Um, Cinderella, massive band though. Their their first song. Uh, our first album, Night Songs, goes three times platinum. Long Cold Winter goes three times platinum. Um, we are up into Heartbreak Station 1990, and this is kind of an interesting thing here. Um, I'm, I'm giving you these uh, chronologically, but, um, you know, this kind of does go with our grunge episode in, in the hair metal goes grunge things. They're looking for other things to do, so they're looking to expand beyond kind of the roots of hair metal, which are the likes of Quiet Riot and Rat and Twisted Sister and Dawkin, where it's more of a pure Sunset Strip sort of sound. Um so blues is one thing that they looked at to to grab onto some sort of integrity, to bring some integrity back to what they're doing. So Cinderella, right out of the gates, there was an excitement level around them somewhat because they were quite bluesy. In Tom Kiefer, you had basically the second coming of Steven Tyler, but he's holding a guitar too, uh, and this really ragged voice that almost doesn't even sound human. I mean, it's it's not, you know, people always talk about that whiskey-soaked voice or the Rod Stewart voice, you know, a la coming through Peter Chris and Ace Freely, that kind of thing. Um, 
but this is beyond a Rod Stewart voice, and it's almost a comical sort of sound. And I know I, you know, I was not a big Cinderella fan at this time. I did not like the productions either. Um, I just found them really soupy and reverby and noisy. Um, but uh, but what you hear on this song, okay, so this album in itself, I mean, um, and what you hear in this song as well is. Definitely a lot of that Aerosmith ethic coming through, but there's a lot of bluesiness in what they do. There's there's slide guitar with this band um, quite often. There's horns, um, and and there's a lot. There's kind of a Rolling Stones ethic. So Aerosmith had that thing that comes through the Rolling Stones. So you're getting a lot of that here, but you're getting it in kind of a big hair metal band. Now the other thing is they were from out east, so they're not actually from LA. So that even gives them a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, extra, you know, extra oomph. Um, so so. Um, you know, people people kind of looked at Cinderella in this whole thing where, yeah, they, they kind of looked silly and they had the whole, you know, this is part of the bluesy hair metal thing too. You're moving into that that gypsy look, you know, that that Steven Tyler uh, thing where, where you know, there's just this this additional authentic, authenticity to it. It's a little bit of a, you know, with the cowboy boots and everything, it's, it's a little more... Um, it's a little more down home and rootsy, uh, and so so this band did get, um, you know, they did get a look in, they did get a listen, and obviously they did with with two records going three times platinum. This is like Sticks, right? Sticks is always the band that reminds me of the the tri- the triple platinum band, regularly banned. Um, it's funny, you know, some bands go diamond and sell seven times platinum and some bands have a lot of golds or whatever, but there's not too many bands that are in this really nice range where, you know, big, big record sales, but not, you know, not the diamond record sales. Um, okay, so uh, so let's move on. Uh, our second selection, uh, take a listen to this. This is Badlands with Whiskey Dust. <laughs> All right, so this is a really interesting case. Um, you know, if Cinderella comes more from Aerosmith and the Stones, I would say Badlands um, on the first album come a little bit more from White Snake. Now, I, I want to talk about White Snake because, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not including White Snake in this thing because you know I steadfastly don't want to call them. Um, purely a hair metal band, and and I didn't want to give an example. I, in, in fact, if I put something in later from here, it wouldn't even sound that particularly bluesy. But but White Snake really came from, you know, I I consider there to be essentially uh, three eras of White Snake before the breakup, and and the first one is the very bluesy hard rock band um, before they even had songs where it sounded like they were going to be hits and they were kind of struggling. The second era, I consider almost like the Kiss era of Whitesnake, where the songs are really stripped down, really straightforward, but they're still pretty bluesy. And then the last era is the overblown hair metal era, where, you know, the hair is all platinum, you know, highlights and all that kind of thing. And and the massive John Sykes sound and Steve Vai and Adrian Vandenberg and all that stuff. But, um, 
you know they they did have this this early uh, this early era, and I consider the um, you know the um, first Badlands album, the self titled album, a little bit of more of like a um, uh, an influence from White Snake. Uh, maybe a cross between um, the middle era and the second era. It's a little more stadium rock and a little more straightforward, but I wanted to play you something from Voodoo Highway because this is where they really um, they really start getting bluesier and it was just very self-evident right from the start that they were that they were kind of uh, on their way down. The trajectory was not going to be big with this. You could tell with this album because it is definitely not as hooky. It's a little more, um, what would you call it, jammy, rudimentary, definitely not as heavy, definitely not as, as hair metal-y and power chord-y. And you can hear that in this song, Wh- Whiskey Dust. So, so yeah, still, still somewhat of a White Snake influence, but I think, you know, you might want to bring in... Um, you know, all those bands everybody talks about that I can never become a, a, a fan of for some reason, like uh, like Humble Pie and The Faces. You know, I'm just not a big fan of these bands, right? Um, but you're getting a little bit of that in here. And Jakey Lee is just, like, he's a total artist. That's the thing with the guy. He, he basically uh, is following his muse, and you can hear that in the later material as well, the Red Dragon Cartel and, and all that stuff. What was that? What was that weird solo album called? Pink Mist or something? Um, so, so this is a guy, and, and, you know, even the look of the guy, right? Um, you know, even him with, uh, you know, with a lot of the bracelets and the kind of gypsy look to him and stuff, you know? So this is all, this is all part of the, um, you know, the, the visual, virtual, virtue signaling if you if you want that that shows that you know i'm i'm not a hair metal guy i'm a roots rock guy and and frankly again you know it all comes back to kind of the fashion sense of uh of steven tyler as basically channeled a little bit through uh you know the more outlandish stuff that the stones would wear or led zeppelin um but really steven tyler is the guy that that basically um you know he's he's almost like the um you know the grandfather of this bluesy metal thing because you know hair metal hair metal just in general even the dirty hair metal thing and the standard hair metal thing whatever i mean a lot of it aerosmith is a big big part of it um okay so that's it for um that's it for bad well let me just say this about badlands so um just to run the trajectory i mean basically this was it for them they had the two major label uh, records this came out in june of 91 so again very important year because in september 91 that's when we get nirvana coming and these bands were were always they were going to be on the chopping block anyways so they are on the chopping block because of grunge but they they kind of there was this big trend to try something more authentic, even as you know off in the horizon they were seeing grunge coming down the pipes. So basically, it it kind of all started with Guns and Roses. So you had this dirty hair metal thing crossed with the bluesy hair metal thing. But basically, the the theme of both of those is they were getting away from the early poison hair metal thing or the you know or quiet riot or Dawkins or twisted right um or or rat you know something just a little more straightforward although i always considered rat pretty cerebral um but yeah so so you you hear these bands trying something before you know they go into the thing we covered in the other episode when they all lost their major deals and were essentially trying something a little more grungy you know and i'm not saying that comes from an insincere place i mean you just get excited about current music and influences and you, and you try these certain things but but this was this was kind of the last thing they were trying on their own not being influenced by grunge this uh this bluesy hair metal thing all right let's take a break we'll be right back 
All right, back again here on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. We are calling this uh, Bluesy Hair Metal, episode 63. Um, our, our third selection is, uh, well, let's take a listen. We'll discuss. This is Great White with I Want You. All right, so I wanted to pick this one. Uh, you know, one thing I wanted to do with all of these picks, um, I didn't want to pick like a standard blues, like a stripper blues or a da 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 anything like that. And I didn't want to pick like a straight bluesy ballad because believe me, all these bands have a bunch of that stuff. And that's another thing, um, you know, bands get into when you're a bluesy hair metal band. You have... Across the album, you're definitely going to have some some ballads. You're definitely going to have some Aerosmith stuff. You're probably going to have a big, large blues as well. Um, so I, I wanted to keep you entertained at least as well, right? Um, so yeah, this is from Psycho City. And, and again, Great White was a band a little bit like... Um, a little bit like Cinderella that they got an extra sort of look in because they had um they had some rootsiness to them they had this uh this aura of authenticity to them and theirs comes from kind of a Led Zeppelin thing in in Jack Russell who had this great voice um but it is kind of a Robert Plant sort of voice and you and you hear a little bit of that in this in this song I I picked for you here now again I wanted to stress you know we are going. Um, we are going chronological. So this is from Psycho City. I mean, they had they had a platinum album. They had a double platinum album. They had a gold album just before this. But this one, you know, they, they're you know the logo's gone. The look is different. I think what has it got here? I think I got it handy here. It's got yeah. It's got you know the the old uh, Rose Motel sign, right? Vacancy pool, Psycho City satellite and color. So so this is all part of being an, an authentic band. You go on the road. You're a road band, right? Actually, the logo is still there, but it's really muted. Um, but uh, but it's yeah, it's funny. You you look at this so. There is a song called Old Rose Motel. You know, maybe someday, big goodbye, doctor me. You got to have doctor in there because of Humble Pie. You got to have doctor on your bluesy hair metal album. Love is a lie. Get on home. Home's got to be in a, in in somewhere in a bluesy hair metal album. Never trust a pretty face. So everything on here is sounding, um, you know, this way. And, you know, kudos to Great White. I mean, they... They basically kept making lots and lots of records, and they did, you know, kind of keep exploring um, this bluesy thing that they they more or less came by. Um, they they came by honestly, right? Mark Kendall, uh, Michael Lardy guitars, Audi. Uh, yeah, this is funny. Audi Desbrows on drums, but gone is Tony Montana at this point, and uh, I I've seen some. I've seen some interesting sort of, uh, you know, email things from my industry buddies saying, where is Dave the Dave uh, Beast, uh, Dave the Beast Spitz, right? You know, he was, um, you know, he's, he's basically on here as a... Um, as uh as, as a guest basis because of no tony montana but otherwise it's a it's a pretty authentic lineup for the band but again um you know they're going into this album 
and um, you know it does still have uh, kind of the big riffs and their hair metal stuff going on but but you can just tell even even when they kind of adjust the album graphics a bit now mind you this is 1992 but you could tell um, there's they're searching they and they know they just know uh, at this point and and the record label knows at this point everybody knows that that um, they're they're just not going to be around for a long time, and it's and it's not going to be great. So so you you know it's almost like um, these bands are somewhat freed up from the shackles of turning in um, you know these big hits and these big videos, and they do explore music that they like. And Great White, like I say, comes comes to this bluesy hair metal Led Zeppelin thing uh, very honestly because that that's what they were into. All right, so next selection. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Poison with Bring It Home. There we go. There's the home thing again. Take a listen. So Brett Michaels is a funny one, right? Um, you know, he's he's got the the marbles in the mouth, the the grunge yarl, you know, that he's always kind of had, and it's so so there is this this yarl thing that uh, that Eddie Vedder was uh, was guilty of, right? But it's also something that's a little bit of a country western thing, isn't it? So so um, Brett's coming at that, and Brett is is a perfectly normal looking guy in a in a uh, cowboy hat, right? He's got his little stylized cowboy hat, and his whole look is very Steven Tyler. But he's definitely, you know, a roots rocker, cowboy, John Bon Jovi kind of thing. Remember, John Bon Jovi did, uh, you know, this kind of music um, on his own on a solo album, I believe. It was pretty, pretty bluesy. Um, but so Brett is a little bit of that kind of guy. And uh, and again, you know, where also does some of this come from? You know, it's a little more with Bon Jovi, but also with Poison. It does come from a little bit of that, uh, you know, that heartland uh the New Jersey Bruce Springsteen thing or the John Cougar Mellencamp, John Mellencamp, rootsy thing, Farm Aid, all that, right? Um, country Western. But so essentially, you know, uh, once Poison gets up into this Native Tongue album, now now granted, um, it, Richie Kotzen is the guitarist. This is this is the last before the long break. It's, it's the one, you know, it's the one without C.C. DeVille. But um, what you hear across this album is, uh, is again... Um, a lot of a lot of Aerosmith, uh, you know, because Poison is sort of the uh, the manufactured confectionery version of Aerosmith early on, right? Yeah, and very glammy, of course, too. Um, but you know, Seven Days Over You, Theater of Soul, you know, in a you know in a hotel in New Orleans, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Stand is the big hit, and that's basically your your acoustic heartland, you know, sappy hair metal ballad uh when you go into this blue zone until you suffer some fire and ice um but you know it's, it's a pretty big album um and uh and again really really you know deep into this thing you know and, and at this point it, it's so funny how cinderella and poison basically follow this parallel career path deep into you know trying to get across that they have all this blues authenticity whether they do or not 
you know, frankly, I don't think so or didn't think so. I certainly didn't think so at the time because I ignored these records. I did not really care for either of these bands a whole heck of a lot. My funny story with Poison, I suppose, is that I became a much more of a fan. Uh, where's my little stack of stuff here? So, you know, <laughs> I I actually became more of a fan once I got to, you know, be interviewing them regularly and meeting them and being in person with them at Molson Amphitheater at those big, you know, hair metal packages and stuff. So when the Greatest Hits album came out, uh, I loved the rarities on that. I, I actually really liked Holly Weird. I thought that was a good album. And I really liked the stuff on, um, you know, Power to the People, Crack a Smile and more, you know. So I'm I'm a weird Poison fan the same way I'm a weird Who fan because I love Face Dances and It's Hard. But um, so so I it's almost like when Poison basically decided that we're just going to be Poison uh, and we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And it was in the face of, you know, they were almost the, the band that was out there when, when Hair Metal made that little comeback to be the band that unapologetically said we're going to keep doing the same thing. And I thought, that, you know, these songs that they were doing in those later eras were, were better than the early stuff. But uh, but no, I, I just thought it was, uh, you know... Definitely, they they fit so so much. This uh, okay, and we're into 1993, right? So so again, they're they're a band that is in this zone that um you know if if grunge isn't going to be becoming to us, and you know Poison is one of these bands that did not ever try that sort of grunge root thing. The thing that is becoming to us is uh, is these blues roots. Um, you know whether whether like I say how authentic it is or not. Um, it's still something they could feel that we could try that is different from hair metal that is also not grunge, right? So, uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Um, actually, yeah, I just wanted to mention, uh, yeah, ain't that ain't that the truth as well? Um, a very Aerosmithy. So, so the main band in terms of the theme of where does where does Poison come from? Um, I would say I would say again, it's Aerosmith. Uh, Brett Michaels is like the second coming of Steven Tyler, the band second coming of Aerosmith. So, so this is their big source band. All right, so last one. Uh, take a listen to this. This is Choir Boys with Tramps and Thieves. All right, so now we are uh, also in 1993. This is the second and last uh, Choir Boys, a.k.a. London Choir Boys album before um, before they break up and they go away. And credit to them as well. They come back and they make a lot of records. I mean, um, they, they come back and are very, very prolific. But um, I hated this band when they first came out because they were so... They were, you know, basically, if you liked heavy metal or hair metal, um, this was the band, and, and it's fitting that they, uh, you know, I'm picking it as number five, because this is the band that said, let's just put almost all of that aside, and literally just be the bluesy, the bluesy band, I mean, not even bluesy hair metal, but bluesy, also, but still coming from this manufactured sort of hair metal world, I, I don't know, it's hard to explain, I, I just, they rub me the wrong way, right, right, you know, right from the start with seven o'clock, time to party, or whatever it's called, right, um, 
And that album, a little bit of what you fan, I hated that title too. Um, was was just very annoying to me. I, I did not want to hear um, an even bluesier version of Cinderella or a bluesier version of, of Poison. And speaking of Cinderella, I mean, Spike on vocals sounds pretty much exactly like Tom Kiefer, that same inhuman, you know, raggedy, very raggedy sort of voice. Uh, you know, Janis Joplin, you you might say, as a, as a predecessor to this whole thing as well. But... Um, but yeah, so where this band comes from, and they're a UK band, which is very different. I mean, there were there were very few UK bands of any sort of hair metal ilk that ever made it. Remember, uh, what were they called? Angels? Little, little Angel? Wild Angels? Something like that. Oh, I can't... I, I'm forgetting, but... Um, and there was a Prin- Princess Tang, I think, was from there. Um, and then even back to the uh, New Wave of British Heavy Metal days, you know, people started to try do hair metal, like Wrathchild and Shy and those kinds of bands. And Jaguar went light and Savage went light, but... Basically, hair metal and the UK did not get along, but this band was so, so bluesy um, and a major label thing, and, and they had a lot of push behind them. Remember, Nigel Mogg was in the band, bass and vocals, and he's uh, I think he's a cousin of um, Phil Mogg. Um, but so where does this band come from? Um, this band comes very, very directly, as you can hear in this song from the Rolling Stones, uh, Mott the Hoople. It's funny, I was talking to Pete Pardo you know, I've been going on a Sea of Tranquility show a fair bit, and we talked about there's got to be a few bands where you just try and try and try, and you just don't like, but you're supposed to like. Mott the Hoople is kind of one of those. I love later Ian Hunter, but Mott the Hoople, not so much. Um, so this is coming from a place of actual Rolling Stones, Mott the Hoople, Faces, you know, certainly 70s versions of Faces, even Rod Stewart's solo, um, and even also, in a way, this, this kind of... Um, you know, I want to throw something later in here because there's a manufactured sense to it. So, so the the bluesiest, most stripper blues that kind of Motley Crue ever gets, or Bon Jovi. Um, you know, this record's produced by Bob Rock, so that that kind of doesn't make sense in all this, but it does make sense to the manufactured quote unquote feel of it. Um, but yeah, there's there's Barrel House Piano, second track, White Trash Blues, right? Um, so yeah, this is this is almost like when the, when you almost take this whole thing too far you you end up with choir boys right okay so that's it that's it for this episode um i think we covered it pretty pretty well you know i wanted to mention a few other examples of bands that are somewhat in here somewhat not kings of the sun little caesar rock city angels remember those guys with the album and a half thing that they put out sea hags faster pussycat xyz now some of this like i say there's the crossover with um with the dirty hair metal um but that's it so uh so hope you like this one like i say it goes with that other episode and it might even go again where you maybe when i do the next thing we're gonna have four that kind of go together with this blues slash metal sort of thing um there you go i mean if you like this show and want to support future episodes please go to ko-fi which rhymes with no fee apparently at uh, ko-fi dot com slash martin popoff hit the red support button and as they say over there buy me a coffee um on that front i want to thank for this episode uh james beach roberto vega leighton kerr scott dexter jeremy french and kevin latham for their support of this show um you can go to martinpopoff.com for all my books um obviously yeah paypal buttons there i sign them ship them all out of the office few things coming down the pipe for the end of the year but right now i've got the maidens and the priests and the 
Sabbaths, the UFOs, all that stuff's available. The new wave of British heavy metal stuff, the thrash stuff. Um, So that's it. Um, Until next time, uh, go, go play some bluesy metal. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.